It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Coming to you guys on a Monday night. Wizards about to embark on a four-game homestand. That's what we're going to talk about, the importance of this upcoming stretch, not just because it's the next games, but for the bigger picture stuff. Here to help me look at the big picture, the guy who is the the the, the, the chillest podcast guest I can get on this for this show, Mr. Rashad Mobley. Mr. Mobley, how are we doing on this Monday? I'm very good. Awfully lofty praise. I hope I don't disappoint. Uh, unless you raise your voice, I think we're pretty good with that. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard you raise your voice. I mean, granted, I, I haven't been around you and your kids, but, you know. Yeah, they, they, would, they would say something different. But I'm, I'm <laughs> for basketball purposes, I'm very chill, very grounded. By the way, can I just say, like, you know, I, mean, I said it's a Monday, and before we started talking, you mentioned the standard Monday doldrums. But this is not just a regular Monday. I think in a general sense, outside of, like, random events that we don't know about, this day, the Monday after we turn the clock back, the worst, one of the three worst days of every calendar year. Because, I mean, you, you leave your work at 5 o'clock, it's already dark, uh, it's miserable. Can't stand it. Not a fan. Not to mention the weather this weekend wasn't exactly stellar, so you're just in some kind of weird phase and you go to work. It is pretty demoralizing to leave work, and it's already dark. You feel like you're about 30 minutes from sleep. I was on the phone with a friend of mine who was in who lives in Florida, and she jokingly said, oh, is it already dark out there? I'm like, yeah, it is. And she goes, oh, I was kidding because I'm wearing my sunglasses. And I'm like, yeah, well, bite me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we're not. Jerk. Uh all right, let's get to this, Rashad. Oh, of course, I guess let me also mention, you can, of course, find all the podcasts on iTunes, recorded a uh, couple of over uh, in the last few days on after the Cavs game. I had uh, Mr. Michael Lee on to help me break down the LeBron of it all. And, and he, Mike off, I had some really candid comments about the, 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 the chatty wizards. And then on yesterday's podcast, uh, I talked about the Toronto win, Bradley Beal, uh, just, you know, going next level on, on them or continue to go next level, I should say. And also, uh, put up my one-on-one I had with Jared Dudley when he was in town last week. So check that out on iTunes or wherever else you do your podcasting. You want to hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standick. If you want to hit up Rashad and you should, you should definitely follow Rashad. He is at Rashad 20 and, uh, Rashad, are you, I don't know which games you're going to be at this week, but the Wizards have not one, not two, not three, but four straight home games and on the on the surface you look at these matchups and it is it couldn't be much easier I mean you really couldn't get it to be much easier than this starting with Tuesday you've got Dallas coming in 
the Ma- the Mavericks are one in ten. For for those of you not keeping score, that is the worst record in basketball. That's not good. Then come the Lakers, and yes, I know that the Lakers just beat the Wizards uh, out in L.A., but the game is here. The Lakers are five and five. That is by comparison to the other teams there, Golden State. Because then you got Atlanta, Atlanta's two and eight, last in the East. Sacramento's one and eight. We already saw what the Wizards did to Sacramento out there. There's also a home and home right after that at Miami, then back here. Miami's only four and five right now. On the surface, this is the kind of series where you're like, oh, what, what are we even talking about here? Why are we wasting our time discussing these games? But Rashad, I'm here to tell you, I don't know if this is the most important stretch of the season. But if we're talking about getting the one or the two seed for the Wizards, if we're talking about getting over 50 wins, this may be the most important stretch of the year because you can't afford to blow these kinds of games at home. This is not what teams who get the one and two seed who win 50-plus games do. And I bring all this up because, as a reminder, they just lost their last two games at home, including the game to Phoenix, who is comparable. I guess Phoenix is better than some of these teams, but they're at least sort of where the Lakers are, and the Wizards just blew that game. So I'm sort of raising the alarm here, the – uh, to, to say that if the Wizards look past these games, well, I'll get into more detail about some of these situations in a second, but if they look past these games, they've got problems, bigger picture here. Uh, am, am I overreacting to this, or am I uh, making any kind of sense? And you don't have to agree with me if, I, if, uh, if I'm not. <laughs> You're not overreacting. In fact, yesterday I was watching the Wizards postgame show, and our colleague Chase Hughes was, was on the show saying that prior to yesterday's game, he thought it was a must-win situation just because you don't want to go into a homestand with an extended losing streak and the way you lost to Cleveland. And I didn't think that was overstating it. So what you just said isn't overstating it either because, look, the Wizards felt like they would have gone further in last year's playoffs if they had a higher seed because they felt like they were taking care of business at home and they did so well. Well, there's a homestand coming up where you should absolutely win every single one of those games, and that way you don't have to let a conversation with Rachel Nichols do the talking in terms of how good you are. Everybody will stand up and say, oh, look, the Wizards have won five in a row at home. They beat the teams they were supposed to, and now they're back in the conversation. Plus, no team except for Boston is really, really playing that well in the Eastern Conference. You have Cleveland floundering. You have other teams that are slowly coming back to her, like Orlando. Detroit is still up there, but this is a perfect time where you can get one of those winning streaks where you just kind of climb up the standings, and before you look up, you're right there with Boston. However, these games are only easy on the surface, and as you were talking, I'm thinking about Dallas. Dallas has one of those guys on the other side that may kind of bring the competitive spirit out of John Wall in a way that may backfire a little bit, similar to how it did with Lonzo Ball, and so that's the that's the rub with the game, like specifically Tuesday's game. I won't even get into Thursday's game, but you don't want an overconfident or a pumped-up John Wall, particularly one that's coming off an injury. This is assuming he plays. That's kind of a, a red flag to me. You want to make sure if you're Scott Brooks that you say, look, you know, you don't have to go all out against this guy. Just stay within the team concept. Your, your backcourt teammate is on fire right now. Let's keep it going. And that has to kind of be the, the message because – you don't want to dim anybody's competitive spirit, but at the same time, and you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but there are times when John Wall seems focused on making the spectacular play when the plays that he normally makes as a solid point guard are good enough to beat, especially the bad teams. No, that's a great point, and one I want to get into when we sort of talk a little bit about what we saw out of them against Toronto, and and you know, 
what we've sort of seen about them this year. And we'll, we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk a little bit about the Mavericks um, uh, game, which is the Tuesday game. But to, to sort of go back to the schedule here and just to sort of uh, put a finer point on that. So right now the Wizards are 2-2 two and two at home. Okay. Um, that's mm-hmm. 500. 500 is not going to get done, of course, over the course of the year for talking about having lofty goals as, as a seed. Now, I'm not saying, you know, the, this won't be a comment where I say the Wizards are tracking to finish 500 at home. No, no, no. Not saying that. But <laughs> the first thing is last year they went 49. They won 49 games last year. And they did that by going 30 and 11 at home. So another, at this point, they've got to go 28 and 9 the rest of the way in their home games to match that. Now, let's, for those who don't remember, and why would you? Because you're all, uh, you, you know, you guys got lives and you're, you know, you're not thinking about the Wizards every second of the day. The Wizards last year, they started five and six at home, right? So two and two looks pretty good compared to five and six. If the Wizards are five and five, you know, you know, in, in after ten games, that's problematic, especially with the with the schedule that's on deck here. But my point is that they started five and six, and the only way, so that means they finished twenty five and five. But in order to do that, they had to have a seventeen game home court winning streak that started after they went five and six. You can't assume that you're going to get on a run like that. And you know how the games that you get on a run like that are these four games right here. So, you know, while like on a hypothetical sense, I would push back a little bit on the idea that the Toronto game was a quote unquote must win. If that was what was said only because a losing a game on the road over the course of a season, you're going to lose at Toronto, right? That, that, that's sort of to some degree baked into the cake. You're going to lose some of those kinds of games. You can't afford to lose Dallas Lakers, Atlanta, Sacramento at home, especially when you've already lost to Phoenix. And, and that's what makes these games so important. And, and, and also like the idea of, you know, if anybody's thinking, well, Ben, maybe they can go better than 30 and 11. Don't, you know, calm down. Don't, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they do even so much better at home. They can even maybe lose some more on the road. Realize this. Last year, Golden State was 36 and 5. The Spurs and Cavs were 31 and 10. Those were the only teams with a better record than the Wizards at home. The two teams that met in the finals and the always great Spurs. So the Wizards did pretty good last year. That it's going to be a, to some degree a challenge just to replicate that. It's certainly possible. They clearly could do it, but you can't do it losing to Dallas, the Lakers, Atlanta, or Sacramento. No, I mean, at, at very worst, they need to go three and one on on this trip. I mean, I I guess a lot depends on whether uh, John Wall plays tomorrow or not. But we saw in Toronto that really shouldn't matter, especially against a team that's not quite as strong as they as they are. But they, ideally, they should go four and zero on this trip. And just it's just important for this particular team, considering the way they lost in Cleveland. It's it's important to kind of raise your stature in the East and say, yes, we lost to Cleveland, but as you see, Cleveland is still floundering. We're still a playoff team. We, we defiantly beat Dallas, the Lakers, Atlanta, and the Kings, and now we're we're back in a, a situation. I just – the other thing that, that you didn't mention is there are so many teams right now that are going through lineup changes and that are having issues on both ends of the floor. Now with Morris back in the lineup, this should be a pretty solid starting five, and they should be able – have advantages that some of these teams don't have because this is a familiar starting five. They should be racking up wins just because they're not going through growing pains. They're not growing. They're not going through new personnel. This is a solid starting five, and that's why some of the early losses were so disappointing, even without Morris, because you felt like this this team they they should know each other. They should feel comfortable with one another, and they should rack up some early wins 
that maybe the second time around they're not going to beat these teams, but they got them early on. And now, especially if they don't do well in this homestand, you're risking of, of squandering the advantage that you have. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and by the way, here's another thing. Just just from a straight momentum standpoint, obviously the Wizards haven't really, you know, they started three and zero, but then they lost uh, four or five before winning in Toronto. So you know, it's fair to say they don't really have momentum on their side right now. This is an opportunity to, to do that. And the key is after these next six games. So again, the four straight at home, then a home and home with Miami. After that, ten of their next twelve are on the road, including a, their second West Coast. Uh, trip. So the schedule, again, I'm not saying that like, they can't win a bunch of road games, that they actually have a winning record on the road right now. I'm just saying you got to build up momentum at some point to get to the goals that you have. This is the type of stretch you need to do that in. So, uh, you know, we can all look at the individual games. I'm sure if I do a preview for each one, I will mock the other team uh, by saying how bad they are. <laughs> <laughs> But individually, that may be true, but we'll get to why Dallas is maybe a little bit trickier than everybody might think on the surface being a 1-10. in 10. But, yeah, this is important. Uh, and, look, the Wizards last year were not a 500 team. They were 19-22. and 22. So, you know, we can assume they'll be better on the road, but they weren't last year. And if they're, you know, for, they, for them to get big, you know, even if they go 31 and uh, are 30 and 11 at home, again, that wasn't good enough to get 50 wins. So they have to do a little bit better on the road, too. You got to build up some momentum there. Uh, quick quick thought from you before uh, we get to, uh, I want to circle back to your team concept moment uh, thought, but Dallas Lakers, Atlanta, Sacramento, biggest concern to you of any of those games? What's your, uh, what's your Twitter size answer on that? The biggest one is losing the first game, Lose, losing to Dallas, because then you it's just not the way you want to start. You don't want to lose your first home game. Again, I don't know if John Wall is coming back. And then you have to go to a team. I don't care what their record says in the Lakers. That's just it's just dangerous. You could lose to them because ball got hot or they're just playing well. And you just you create a situation where a little bit of doubt comes in. And I, I don't know. I just feel like they, they have to win. They have to win handily with or without Wall in that first game so that you're feeling confident going into the, to the game against the Lakers because these aren't – man, again, I don't want to undermine your point. These are games they should win, but these aren't gimmies by any stretch of the imagination because these are the Wizards, and they've already proven as recently as a couple of weeks ago that they will lose to teams that they should beat. So, again, I don't know what magical pixie dust that Scott Brooks can sprinkle on them to get them to, to realize that this is a vulnerable time, but it, it has to happen. And I can, I, I can ask you, how sure are we that Wall even should play tomorrow? You know, do you, do you want no, to rest in the Thursday? That is a great question and one that I will answer along with talking about the concept of team concept right after this. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so uh, Rashad set me up with a uh, perfect tease there, the idea of should the Wizards rest John Wall. I I think I would circle it back to what we saw the other night. I mean, look, if they think that he is 
um, can, can be good to go. I think it's impossible to keep him out of the lineup for himself. Like, there's no way John Wall is going to say, hey, is going to take the bigger picture of like, hey, man, why don't you rest up for a little bit more? You know, finding rest for you at any point in the season isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. And, uh, you know, give yourself a minute. I'm sure he's going to be like, the hell to the no. I want to get out there because that's sort of the competitive guy that he is. So my guess is he's going to want to get out there one way or the other. I should also note that we'll, we'll, we'll come back to Dallas, what's wrong with them this year. But the, the Mavericks, they they swept the Wizards last year despite being a, not a non-playoff team. And they've won 13 of the last 14. Now, I know the history doesn't necessarily apply. that This is not the Mavericks team that's a contender anymore, even though Dirk Nowitzki is still there. But sometimes it's, you know, you know how it is. I mean, some, sometimes some team has you. And Rick Carlisle is still the coach of Dallas. That guy scares the bejesus out of me if I'm an opposing team. So just from that perspective alone, I think you probably have to, you know, if Wall's going to be able to play, I'd say throw throw him out there. Um, but, uh, but let me ask you this. You mentioned the, con- the, the, the idea of team concept before. What, wh- I, I really liked – the game, the, the the flow of the Wizards, their temperament with Bradley Beal as sort of the leading man against Toronto. I mean, they, they had some urgency because they had been losing, and um, you know they, they wanted to get that bad taste out of their mouths. But I really, it was just a, it had a different feel to it with Beal being the focal point of the offense as opposed to Wall. I'm not totally saying better or worse, but maybe I am saying a little bit better. I, I liked what they were doing out there. Um, sort of taking on Beal's mindset. What what do you think about it from like sort of that? I mean, I think it's kind of natural for everyone on the team, particularly Beal and Porter and Oubre, to feel like, okay, we have to do more. We have to do more because our leader isn't here. So I think there was was some of that in the performance. But there was just one particular play when, uh, I don't know if Beal got a steal, but he was on a fast break and he had an open shot and he could have taken it and he kind of, Looked like he was going to take it and pass it to Ubre in the corner, who hit the shot, and you know he did this little thing with his hand. He ran down the court, and they kind of embraced. And that there was there was a little more unselfishness than there normally is. It wasn't just let me get to this spot and hope that Wall finds me. This is I have to create. I'm going to do this. If I'm Otto Porter, I'm going to bring the ball up and see what I can do. And there was just there was a lot more flow to the offense where everybody. I don't want to say more flow because I don't want to denigrate what Wall does, but it was just. It, it looked a little different. It wasn't one man weaving in and out and the rest kind of rolling and standing around. Everybody was moving. Everybody was bringing the ball up. And it was it was just – it was a positive flow. It was helped by the fact that Toronto played terrible defense and didn't seem to know how to guard a pick and roll. But still, it just – there was a certain continuity to the to the offense that was there, and it was led by, by Bill. I mean, Anytime Bill pulled up to take a shot, a Toronto right behind to run at him, and then he was able to do what he wanted to get where he wanted, and that was that was good to see. You wonder if that'll translate to, uh, you know, well, no, I don't think it applies if, if Wall plays. It, it, it'll go back to how it was, but but for one game, it was nice to see that kind of continuity in the offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I talked a little bit about this yesterday, but I recorded that podcast so late, I don't really remember what I said. But uh, yes, yes, you did. I heard it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there is something to it. I mean, you know, again, John Wall's a four-time All Star, was what seventh in the MVP voting last year. You know, we're talking about one of the better players in the league. So this is not about that. You know, he's, you know, let's not anybody misinterpret suggesting he's bad or anything. But like he's the way he plays, full blast all the time. The, those wild sprints to the basket and, you know, their breathtaking plays that, you know, ooze and ahs and all that. 
but it, but also at times it can lead to him being out of control and you don't always quite know where the ball is coming from. And sometimes he makes those great passes and you're like, wow, how did that happen? But at the flip side, you know, as a, as a, if you're trying to, if you're another player, you're trying to figure out what the next step is. Like I, I suspect it'd be a little bit more complicated at times to kind of know where it's coming from. Whereas with Beal, not that Beal was necessarily playing the point guard, but the offense is sort of flowing through him. You can just see he's just smoother out there. He, he lets the game come to him more. I mean, he he really did, you know, I've, I've talked now for two years about how much improved his dribble drive game is, but it's me. It's like, it's gone next level now. He's got the, you know, the steps, uh, you know, to, to sort of maneuver himself and the pump fakes and the looks, and he's just in control um, of, of himself, not, not trying to force too much. I mean, you mentioned that like guys naturally feel they have to do more. And I'm sure he, I mean, he, he felt that way. He said as much in his post game quotes, but it didn't come across that way in his play. It didn't feel like he was being aggressive for the sake of being aggressive. And it did feel like the team was, uh, was sort of flowing from, uh, from that. Uh, l- l- let me ask you, uh, this, um, Tim Frazier r- running the offense, if that's the right phrase, he got, he got in foul trouble early on. It, it reminded me of the Ubre game from the Ubre from the previous game where, you know, or no, the, the game where Otto Porter was, uh, the Phoenix game and Ubre picks up two fouls in the first like three minutes when you need him to play a lot. So Frazier picks up a bunch of fouls early. He finishes eight assists, zero turnovers. That's great. I'll be, mean, you take that every time, but just what, from watching it, how did you feel about the, the team in Tim Frazier's hands? You know, if, if, uh, if it, if it comes to that down the line or even if he's just playing with the starters. Well, I mean, I have to say full disclosure, I, I hadn't been impressed with Tim Frazier and I, Watching him play sometimes just made me want to throw my laptop out of the window because he just didn't, I don't know, the way teams sag off of him sometimes, he doesn't seem like a threat on offense. And so I really was kind of dreading watching him yesterday in Toronto. While I was dreading having to watch it, I was enjoying the hate tweeting that I thought I was going to be able to do. But he looked good. I mean, there was, throughout the foul trouble, there was this one stretch where he literally looked like John Wall. He was pushing the ball up. He was passing. At one point, he passed up a layup, you know, to get a shot in the corner. But he looked like a top of the point guard. Like, he was consciously, like Scott Brooks was in his head, you got to push the ball, push the ball, look for your teammates, and he did a good job. I just don't see that consistently, you know. And so I'm, I will give him his props for that Toronto game. But, you know, I I still like Sadoransky better. I think Sadoransky, when he's playing well, no, he doesn't defend well, but when he's playing well and when he's feeling confident, offers more matchup problems. You know, he can get to the basket. He'll shoot the outside shot, and he's a little more aggressive offensively, and I think that that's what the Wizards need. But he didn't ask me that. Last night, I thought he looked good. He looked competent. I thought he did as well as he could with the eight assists, but there was just no, no scoring threat. So... You know, no, he, look, his three point percentage is not there. You, you didn't even mention some of the defensive liabilities. He's not the biggest man in the in the world, uh, even for an NBA player. Um, the one thing I th- I'm thinking about listening to you talk about this, you know, I, I'm fascinated by rotations. This is something I spend an inordinate amount of time on in my life when I should be thinking about things like, you know, how do how am I going to, uh, y- you know, how do I deal with a uh, clogged toilet or how do I pay my bills. Instead, I worry about things like the wizard's rotation. No, I don't have a clogged toilet, by the way. It just came into my head. Don't ask me why. Uh, I was going to say, that's, that's breaking news. <laughs> yeah, that, 
That would be the wrong kind of breaking news. If, it, if, if that was really happening, I would be uh, probably uh, not t- doing this podcast right now. Um, but but I'm thinking Scott Brooks typically is using John Wall like for the full quarter. He takes out Otto Porter a little bit earlier, takes out Beal a little bit earlier, and then he brings in Wall sort of mid-ish way through the second quarter. Well, I'm thinking to myself, the thing about what, what, what you noticed with Frazier last night and Sadoransky and really anybody who's ever played basketball – even at any level, even at the even at the uh, intramural or you know your 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 gym kind of get level, you play better with better people around you. I, I mean, I think that's common for any of us. So Tim Frazier and Sadoransky are likely going to be playing better if they're paired up with say at least Bradley Beal and maybe Martin Gortat if he stays in there till the end of the quarter, right? So why not right. maybe consider like if you're only looking to play Tim Frazier or, or whoever the backup point guard is, say 12 minutes a game, give or take. Why not put that guy in with say three or four minutes left in the first quarter? Leave Beal in. Have Beal be the closer for the first quarter. Then have that guy go to the, start the second quarter. Maybe you know if, if Brooks feels compelled to use all five of the bench guys together, or maybe you know you've already, maybe you put Marquise Morris in and you already have Ubre or whatever. And then like three minutes into the second quarter, then put Wall back in. Now Wall is playing with the the the, the second unit. And, you know, look, if Wall takes a little bit of defensive uh, rest, some so to speak, well, now Mahimi's there in theory. That should help. Kelly Oubre is a perfect wing threat to go with Wall to run the court. Jody Meeks is going to get set up for shots. So it just seems like maybe that's a way to get more out of Frazier and or Sadoransky, who's ever playing there, put them in a little bit earlier with the first unit, take Wall out, and then Wall have Wall come in with the second unit and go from there. You you sound like my colleague Troy, who thinks that either Wall or Bill should always be on the floor the whole game, and you just have, like you said, have Tim Frazier play with one, have Sadoransky play with the other. You're building the confidence of Sadoransky and Frazier. They always know that they're on the floor with an elite player, and maybe you're giving Wall a chance to play off the ball and rest a little bit, or you're giving Bill a chance to, to not have as much pressure. So I don't I don't know why Scott Brooks doesn't do it. I, had, I need to figure out a way to ask, but it just it, it seems like that would work better because, look, you can't – I know he said at the beginning of the year that Sadoransky may not play some games, but you cannot deny, much like Oubre and Otto Porter, that Sadoransky has improved. His game has improved. His confidence has improved. And it just – there's nobody – it's not like Tim Frazier is, is miles, ahead of, miles ahead, of, ahead of him. And they should be able to go on the floor where they can, one, show how much they've improved, but, two – like you said, be a little more confident by playing with the starters, not having as much pressure on you as you do when you're on there with an all backup unit and you're you know, the opportunities to create are a little harder to come by. All right, let's uh get into some thoughts about the Wizards upcoming opponent, the Dallas Mavericks of it all, right after this. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so the Dallas Mavericks, as I said, their record... It stinks. So, you know, on the surface, they are not a very good team, right? 
But let's try to build them up. Oh, here are some reasons why they're not a very good team. Um, I looked this up for a preview that I had to write for somebody. They, among among their issues, they are currently on offense. They are 28th in scoring, 97.9 points a game. They are next to last in field goal percentage, 42%. The Bulls are under 40%, by the way. That's amazing. But the Bulls are under 40%. The, the Dallas is, uh, is only team. That's the only team worse than Dallas. Also, though, on the other end of the court, they're not having much fun either. They're allowing opponents to make 48% of their shots. So, and then in this last game that they lost to Minnesota, they were out rebounded 48 to 31. And then I, what I read from Rick Carlisle after that game was he talked about how, quote, the possession of ball stats are hurting us in a big way. So they're not doing well offensively, defensively, rebounding or with turnovers. That doesn't say, that explains why they have the record that they have. Uh, that said, I mentioned earlier, they had very good success against the Wizards. And for what, whatever that means, you know, even if it gives them more confidence in the matchup, okay, that, that that's not a bad thing. I mean, and they're obviously desperate to win. They haven't played since uh, Saturday, I don't think. So they've had a couple of days off as well, to, you know, whereas the Wizards played yesterday. So the Wizards, they've had a little bit of time. And this is the only game they have for a full week. So, you know, they can really go full bore here against the Wizards. They don't play again until Saturday. Um, so this is a, get, a big game for them. Now, the, among their – they have seven guys who average double figures, led by Harrison Barnes. They've got Dennis Smith Jr., a guy that a lot of people thought would maybe win Rookie of the Year. Wesley Matthews has been a Wizards killer at points in his career. And then, of course, you have Dirk Nowitzki, who, you know, 39-year-old Dirk Nowitzki. I'm pretty positive if the Wizards leave him open, he will make shots. He is shooting 43% from three. Um, that said, this is a game the Wizards should win, but, you know, <laughs> like I said, that we, we all thought the same thing about Phoenix, and then we saw how, how that went down. I'm sure Dallas, this is, you know, they, they are primed to take somebody down no better than a team that they've taken down 13 of the last 14 times. Yeah, the other thing is Seth Curry isn't. Hasn't been playing too, so that's. I mean, I know he's not his brother, but he still was. He gave them significant minutes last year. I, the thing that scares me about this team is there's always, particularly with a veteran like Dirk Nowitzki, there is one game where you kind of reclaim your old glory and you get hot and you start feeling good about yourself. Maybe things went excellent at shoot around, and you're like, okay, maybe I can go for 30 or 40 today. Well, Dirk can easily do that. Um, Wesley Matthews can get hot. And then Dennis Smith may feel like, okay, this is my this is my time to show up, Wall and Bill, to show that I belong. So it's not maybe collectively they're not playing well, and and Rick Carlisle is frustrated. But there's some individuals who can get hot, and then all as we saw in the Phoenix game, all of a sudden you're reeling and you're putting an inordinate amount of pressure on your defense by trying to stop one player, and then it just snowballs from there. So I mean, I don't want to sit here and construct a scenario by which all these lowly teams could beat the Wizards, but kind of forcing my hand because of what happened in Phoenix. This, this can happen. And, you know, they have players who can get hot. They have players who maybe have not been playing well, who may want to play well against the Wizards. So it's, to me, it's it's one of those games where you want to jump out and get, you know, get out to a significant lead, much like they've done in the past, just kind of put pressure on the team that's bad to get better very quickly, maybe frustrate them. Maybe they start sniping on one another. I don't know, but you want to kind of put them out of their misery early. And that's what you do against a bad team like this. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, look, even in the game against Toronto, they had a 19-point lead. Toronto got it down to three. Uh, and, and look, uh, you know, obviously John Wall wasn't playing, but it was like another one of those, like after Kyle Lowry leaves, you think, okay, well, great. The Wizards shouldn't really have too much of an issue defending point guards. And then Fr- Fred Van Vliet, he starts playing like an all-star uh, and starts bringing them back. So, yeah, we can look past Dennis Smith Jr. or J.J. Barea as that point guards. But, uh, you know, these are the type of guys, as you said earlier, that John Wall has at times looked past in his career. And if he's out there, you know, is he going to think he's got this on lockdown so he doesn't have to go full out or or maybe, you know, starts trying to do too much? Maybe. But uh, regardless, this is the, you know, look, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I guess I am. This is the type of game not only should the Wizards win, they should put the hammer down, get it done quick. And maybe this is also a game, you know, I don't know. We'll see where Markeith Morris is physically, but maybe this is a game where Markeith Morris can become a little more of the central figure. Not to say that you're not going to have Beal and Wall and Otto Porter do their thing, but you know, looking at Dallas's line, lineup, you know, uh, you know, Nowitzki a power forward, Harrison Barnes will get some run at the four. You know, Mar- Markeith Morris can can be physical with these guys, and you know, gives him this should be an opportunity perhaps for him if he's ready to to sort of uh, get that sort of first uh, you know strong game. Out of him. Uh, will you? Uh, will I see you there uh, tomorrow night? Yes, I will be there. Fantastic. All right, man. Well, uh, when when I see you, I will give you a high five because once again, you did a tremendous performance. You did. You, you maintained your 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 king of chill uh, status. I so that so that is good. You got that going for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I also want to say that it is watching Kelly Oubre on TV. I feel like a proud papa and. Obviously, that's not the case, but just watching him, if you just kind of hone in on him and watch him, that there's a confidence there that has me encouraged for the Wizards should they go on a deep playoff run. He's just, before when he got the ball, everything was just quick. I'm going 100 miles per hour. I got to do this. I got to do that. And now he's calm. I mean, he still occasionally, when he gets irritated, will commit a bad foul on, on defense, but just the confidence, especially in that Toronto game and a couple other games, is 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 very encouraging. Encouraging if you're a Wizards fan. Uh, yeah, no, obviously, I mean he he's been, you know, it, right. It, it, he well, he's making three pointers. That's very encouraging. I and mean, well, you know, I'm sure he won't finish over forty percent of the year. But regardless, even no. I, I said preseason, if he gets to thirty three, that's a win. So anything above that would be even more impressive. But you're right. I mean, he still gets wild at times. You know, he he did jump into the fray on that uh, Beal Draymond thing, Draymond thing going a little too crazy. Um, and and you can see he he still got too a, a little too much of the 21 year old that he is in his actions. But there's some more maturity to it. He's a little more control. He's starting to use that energy for good, not not evil. And, uh, yeah, if, if, you know, if he can be a guy that they can on this, they don't have, like, I don't always feel like you have to have Wall and Beal on the court at all times, but if they don't get anybody on the bench to help, then they may have to, but if Ubre can help be, build a bridge, even if it's just three or four minutes here and there, hey, that, 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 that's a big win, uh, for sure. Um, big win for us, of course, getting Rashad on the podcast, follow him on Twitter at Rashad20. Thanks to you guys as always. Subscribe on iTunes. And uh, that's it. We'll be back after the Wizards Mavericks one way or the other. And uh, until next time, see ya. Everybody Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Bobby Sine. Touchdown!
Download the Amazon Music app today.